You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center in sunny Santa Monica, California. Please be seated. We're glad to have you with us once again um, as we wind down the year. Um, we have a really interesting show for you today. Um, we have one of our most renowned First Amendment attorneys in the nation, Mark Randazza, with us. And um, he has become known as the Right Haven Slayer, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the giant killer from Gloucester. So um, it's, it's kind of fitting um, – a lot of times before look, starting the show, I, I take a look at what is today in history just to kind of see what context we're in. And um, in 1620, um, the Mayflower landed on Plymouth Rock today. And, um, and then they promptly set up, uh, <laughs> um, set up the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And one, one of the things they did several years later was they kicked out uh, Roger Williams, who was born today in 1603. And Williams um, was kicked out of Massachusetts Bay Colony, went south about 45 miles, and founded a settlement in Providence, Rhode Island, and which became the first colony in the U.S. to have uh, be based on um, separation of church and state and religious liberty. 
And um, Roger Williams' concepts became an important part of the First Amendment. And so it's fitting that on this uh, this important day that we have Mark here. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. And, you know, uh, interestingly enough, where I'm from was also settled by people kicked out of Plymouth. Oh, really? And drinking. And culture uh, has uh, uh, not exactly taken it history, but uh, it's an interesting place itself based on that. Uh, um, you, might, you might want to check your mic. We were getting you kind of in and out. Um, How's that? Is that better? Much better, much better. Okay. Um, you sounded a little bit like you were in a, 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 a 70s disco song for a bit. But, um, <laughs> it was, um, but, uh, but I'm back now and my arrows. Ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Gloucester actually you have a great famous history as, as you know for fishing and and it's somewhat tragic history. Um you know most recently with the the perfect storm. But um talk about perfect storm in um only 2 years ago Right Haven was formed and um it seemed to be ready to take on the world. Uh it started off in March 2010 with a lawsuit against Money Rain and then now 276 lawsuits later has it is Right Haven now finally dead? Right Haven is not dead. Uh, it, uh, right Haven reminds me of a, a movie, um, and <clears throat> every single time uh, you take out a shotgun and blow its brains, a finger will crawl toward you, trying to. <laughs> you. Um, at this point, are certainly seeming to be. Uh, you know, the, they have filed lawsuits. Uh, the second company signed a contract with them, the Denver Post, uh, has – and their new publisher said it was a dumb – so I don't imagine that that is going to be a relationship that gets revived. And every single time one of their cases has been brought before a judge, uh, I, I can't – not ruled against them. Now they are, I mean, maybe on procedural issues, but uh, judges have uniformly their copyright assignment is not permissible and been asked to rule on fair use. Uh, Ray Haven has lost as well. Now, that's an important point because you're, you, the case that you're involved in. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because it's significant because I think it involves an entire um, posting, posting of an entire article being considered for use. I'm, I'm actually involved in a, a lot of Right Haven cases. Okay. The, the, one, the one you're talking about, Haven versus Hain. Uh, Mr. Hain got an entire article from the last – he posted it into an online discussion board. And in that discussion board, after that, uh, about for two or three months, a discussion ensued about well, how else do you have a news article but to pre- present the article to the crowd with? So, you know, fair use as a as an uneducated rule of thumb, you don't take the whole thing, but you have to, and. Now, there is no per se rule that if you take the whole thing that you have misappropriated the copyright owners. 
uh, in fair use, free speech counterbalance to copyright. I mean, copyright is really a powerful tool. Copyright gives the only, an almost absolute monopoly over the use of that work. And when we're talking about tool property, we're talking about thought, creativity, and frankly, you can't have any creative thought or any expansion of thought marketplace of ideas without standing on the shoulders of other people even when i when i invoked that image of movie zombie i didn't invent that and everybody there knows what i'm talking about that's because that's how intellect and collective intelligence grows well don't have fair use and you have just absolutely you can't have discussion you can't have criticism you can't have parody the problem that I had with Right Haven, not involved in Right Haven cases, I can assure you, was not for the money. Most of my uh, most of my clients have to, would not have been able to afford me if I hadn't given uh, very significant cuts on my rates. It was because of that they filed these suits with absolutely no use. Uh, I, I the the issue is is interesting and it is probably important but it's not that important it's amendment lawyer i want to protect fair use now um just for for those who may be unfamiliar with right haven although um, we've talked about it many many times on this show um right haven was formed by stevens media group which is the media group um whose um, main um property is the las vegas review journal and um, basically, the owner of the Stevens Media more or less declared war on um, copyright infringement. And Right Haven was launched. And what was unique about Right Haven from other um, copyright enforcement groups was that it um, it never sent a cease and desist letter. It just filed the lawsuit and tried to get a settlement. And it really seemed to me, and I don't mark it, I don't what your impression was. Is that it was seen? It was meant as a shot across the bow to the blogosphere and to you know to everyone else that um, you know to be to be careful and that we're going to come after you um, over anything. Yeah, that's. I think that's a little off from my perception of it. First off, it wasn't just this media group. It was formed by a local attorney here in Las, uh, by the name of Steve Gibson, who, uh, from what I've seen got the Las Vegas Review-Journal's parent company to partner with him on it. Uh, and he, like more of a money-making scheme than a content per- I don't really find a huge problem. Most people have criticized Right Haven for not sending cease and desist letters first. Problem with that. Uh, copyright law require you to do that. No. And I don't think that legit. Copyright owners who have legitimate copy claims should have to send cease and desist letters. And if there is legitimate infringement and they have a right to cover for and if you send one and they take it down, the defendant should pay the copyright owner. The problem they they seemed to have put no thought into who they sued or why. They uh, a writer who wrote about one of their cases at the case, took an exhibit in the case and put a copy of the exhibit on the article about the case. 
against uh, him for infringement. All right, Mark, we have to take a short break. At, um, sorry to interrupt, but we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Stay Law. Stay tuned business for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Superior Affiliate Offers, Superior Affiliate Brands, Superior Affiliate Service, the Superior Affiliate Management. Superior Affiliate Management delivers direct exclusive offers with weekly payouts. Their mission is to ignite your e-commerce and ignite your commissions. Superior Affiliate Brands means our work with the Internet Retailer's Top 500, as well as new brands, thanks to their full-service agency and CPA network. Superior Affiliate Service means lifetime bonus referrals and personal VIP treatment. When you hear Superior Affiliate Offers, Superior Affiliate Brands, Superior Affiliate Service, that's SAMOPM.com. As you know, being an expert at f <gasps> what did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f Whoa. You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. The best gavel-to-gavel -gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And in, this is Bennett Kelly. Welcome back. Um, we had some technical issues we've resolved, so um, we'll be going back to our discussion of Right Haven with Mark Rendaza. Mark, um, are you there? I'm here. Great. Much better. It's funny. One of the most um, challenging things I've seen in my legal career is uh, is lawyers trying to do a conference call by themselves. <laughs> it always <laughs> seems to be an involved process. But in any event, um, so we were talking about Right Haven, just giving some background. And um, it seemed that they, they didn't have a lot of opposition early on. And then they kind of um, started to um, get get fired back when – I guess they took on Democratic Underground, and we, we, when did you get involved? Was that before or after um, EFF jumped in? It was early on. Uh, the first case I had against them was uh, I represented the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, uh, known as Normal. And in that case, we started to smell a rat right away with mm -hmm. respect to the copyright assignment because – the assignment that they gave us said that they were assigning the right to the copyright subject to 
a right of reversion. And I mm-hmm. said, well, that, that sounds like there's something in the background here that we ought to know about. Uh, but we, we wound up making an offer to them to resolve it, which was public uh, because we made it under Rule 68 of the Rules of Civil Procedure. Offer of judgment. And, sorry? Yes, we Is offered that- them a judgment, and we, we said, look, you sell these articles on your archives for three bucks. Uh, we figured that at most you've lost $700 if every single person who clicked on this reprint of the article, which was incidentally in a database of a third party that just happened to have Normal's logo on it. So Normal wasn't even really the proper defendant. But we just did a, a cost-benefit analysis and said, you know, for at most here you're going to get 700 bucks. We offered them 2100 to to make it go away. Um and we, we had reason to believe they wouldn't take it, but they took it. Uh, so we were out. If you can get out of a federal lawsuit for $2,100, you're, you're doing pretty good, which is probably why they didn't get a whole lot of resistance early on. You know, they, their target selection, uh, uh, I don't know if it was intentionally this way or it just worked out that way, but they tended, they seemed to hit a lot of elderly people. And they seem to hit a lot of people who are not very tech-savvy, a lot of people who didn't really know that what they were doing could get them in trouble, whether it was fair use or not. And so a lot of these people that they hit were, if if you're 70 years old, you're retired, you've got a decent retirement fund, and somebody says, give me 5000 bucks out of that retirement fund, or you're going to risk all of it, what are you going to do? You're going to write a check and move on so that you can live the rest of your life in peace. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they could have found a way to, to specifically find elderly and vulnerable people. I, I just don't know how they could do that. Uh, it seems to me they just got, they got lucky or these people got unlucky. But it took some people who decided that they were going to stand up to them to really break this thing apart. You know, my client, Mr. Hain, now, we gave him the speech of it'd probably be easier to pay, uh, but you know, Mr. Hain is a decorated veteran, and, and he made a decision back, you know, back 20-odd years ago that he was going to uphold and defend the Constitution, and, and he was full of that fire when this case came along and decided he was going to stand and fight. Uh, the Democratic Underground, uh, fortunately, hooked up with the EFF, uh, which is an organization that I, I, I think I spend four hours a day praising and four hours a day cursing. Uh, I, I have <laughs> people there that I, I really like and, and who I, I respect what they do and we work together. And then and then on the next phone call, we'll be at loggerheads over something we're disputing, which I don't choose my friends based on how much I agree with them. I really respect that group, especially for what they did in the Right Haven case, because they had the time and the resources to dig into that right of reversion that raised some suspicion with us. And when they got down to it, they got a hold of a document, which was, you know, like the, like the secret deal uh, between their, their so-called clients and the organization where they really didn't get the copyright. Uh, judges looked at this document when it finally came to light, and Wright Haven fought furiously to keep it from the public eye. But once it got into the public eye, every single judge that looked at it said, all you've really acquired here is a bare right to sue. You haven't really acquired the copyright. And that is a no-no. Uh, there's a, 
a case out of the Ninth Circuit that says you can't do that. Uh, there wasn't such a case in the Tenth Circuit where Colorado is, which is the other place, one of the other places that Wright Haven operated. Uh, but Judge Kane up there in Colorado, in another case that my firm handled, along with uh, Andy Contiguia up in Colorado, and the judge looked at that and said the same thing. He said, "Well, the tenth doesn't have uh, the same circuit case that the ninth has. Uh, we're going to follow that logic because think about the option. If if we actually had a, would we wind up with a futures market in lawsuits where as soon as everybody writes an article, they then go down to the lawsuit exchange." And then we have firms buying up bundles of copyright, uh, right to sue packages. And then essentially you would just have, I mean, I, I think we have a bad enough perception of the legal profession now. Could you imagine if any single thing you ever <laughs> quoted could wind up creating a lawsuit brought by somebody who has no relationship to the person who wrote it in the first place? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, it's the, the question of enforcing your copyright um, property right. It, you know, it's connected, it has to be your property. And right. um, just as a, a side note, we had Kurt Upsell on our show earlier in the year to talk about the you know some of these initial victories with Democratic Underground um, for um, you know against Right Haven as part of his work with the EFF. But um, so that was do you see that as a turning point? Was the EFF getting involved? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean Kurt Upsell is is one of the most brilliant attorneys in the United States. Uh, he really knows his stuff. He's he's just got that. He's, he's got an eye for detail that he, he you give him 15 minutes with a file, and he knows where all the bodies are buried. And he's the one, uh, him and his team are the ones that pried this agreement out of Right Haven's hands. And without their efforts, uh, I, I'm sure that a number of the defendants in Colorado and in Nevada would still be suffering at the hands of Right Haven. And my client, Mr. Hain had a unique position where he had a good fair use defense. I think a lot of the defendants did, but the, you know, the, the real kryptonite for Right Haven was when this agreement came to light, and that just that caused all the dominoes to begin to fall. And, and then, we used to say when they came to fall, and part of that was that um, you now had the ability to seek sanctions and attorney's fees. Yes. Yeah, because Right Haven knew or should have known that it had no right to sue. And so, how, in, I know in the Hain case, you, you, you've got attorney's fees awarded. Uh, any other cases you're involved in, have you got attorney's fees awarded? Yep, we got them awarded in Right Haven versus Leland Wolf uh, in the District of Colorado. So, so how much has been awarded to you um, in fees um, payable by Right Haven? Uh, well, initially in Nevada, Mr. Hain got a $34,000 judgment, which uh, Wright Haven has so far chosen not to post a bond uh, to secure it, and Wright Haven has chosen not to pay it, so it has ballooned. Last time the court gave us a writ of execution, it was around $63,000. That's ballooned significantly more than that since. Uh, and in Colorado, the same thing seems to be happening. So uh, Wright Haven is not paying. It paid one award that we got for about $4,000, uh, which was the first the first one that we got imposed on them. But after that, they have seemed to have elected not to pay. Now, it, you know, it's this is where the, the story really starts getting you know, to its denouement, possibly, or its climax, is that um, you've then 
ordered the marshals to, to seize Wright Haven's property. Well, the court has ordered that. We asked the court I'm for sorry, that. I'm sorry, yes. You, you got an to order um, to have the marshals seize Wright Haven's property. And, and, and a unique order, um, a writ over the, the actual lawyer for Wright Haven to appear in court, that the marshals are authorized to seize that person and bring him to court. Well, yeah, when you get a judgment in a case and the judgment debtor doesn't pay that, <clears throat> you have the right to seek uh, a deposition. You have the right to take, a de- take the deposition in pursuit of execution. Now, we're not actually going after the lawyer for Wright Haven for that. Uh, Mr. Gibson, while he was initially, uh, I think, on some of the pleadings, he's the CEO of Wright Haven. So he should know where their money is. Correct. Uh, news reports say that Wright Haven has gotten uh, half a million dollars from Stevens Media. It collected about a quarter million dollars in settlements and, and judgments. So from what we've read in the media, Wright Haven should have had at least $750,000 in the bank. And we have some questions about where it all went, because when we had their bank account seized, it had about $800 in it. Also, there could be some fraudulent fraudulent conveyance to avoid the judgment? We would like to ask Mr. Gibson some questions to that effect, yes. And um, now one of the orders that you got from the court was actually to uh, auction Ray Haven's intellectual property, which is kind of an, 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 a peculiar thing given that you know, part of the reason why you're, you have sanctions awarded or attorney's fees awarded was that um, Ray Haven's intellectual property really – had little value. Uh, correct. It, it, <laughs> we are taking what they have. Uh, remember, when you're trying to, when somebody's got assets that you you want to go after, you go after what you can find. Uh, at this point, what we can find is the intellectual property they claim that they own. Uh, and I, you know, I don't think I'm I'm tipping any hand here by showing the cards of what what we're saying. They, they're in they're in checkmate. Uh, either they have intellectual property rights, which we can take and sell, or they're going to have to admit that they didn't have them in the first place. Uh, And I think that all of the people who have been sued uh, will probably want to show up and bid on those because they have value to them. If I'm a defendant in a copyright infringement case and that copyright comes up for sale, uh, I would like to own it. And I can't see the purchase prices being very high. Uh, also, you know, we've had a lot of interest from people sending emails because they want to buy some of this stuff just as uh, legal memorabilia, which I, I find really funny. Somebody wants a, a copyright from Right Haven to just put on their wall and do that, do that Simpsons. <laughs> and I guess what, you, you, you do T-shirts? I, I was a copyright troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing we've had the most interest in, though, which I, I can't understand, is a a Bluetooth headset worn by Mr. Gibson in a article oh, that was published yeah. in, published on the Las Vegas Sun. I, 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 I don't understand the fascination with it, but I keep getting emails from random people saying that they want to bid on that, which I don't know if Ray David even owns that, but uh, it, it, it now, has just well, been a, a, a weird non-sequitur. Do you think there's going to be an issue of um, piercing the veil? Um, is Wright Haven a legitimate corporation, or are they? We actually be able to get to Mr. Gibson personally? Uh, I don't know. You know, really, I, I've, I've got to be. Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. They may have every single 
document and duck in a row. Uh, but the deposition on the 5th, should it happen, is uh, the place where I'm going to explore all of that. Now, there's such a, a strong reaction in, in the Internet community to Right Haven. Um, and you know, why do you think that is? Why, why, uh, why are they so hated universally, it seems? It, it seems to – well, first off, copyright enforcement is not a very popular thing. I, mean, I do a lot of copyright enforcement. Most of right. my copyright you're work. You're on both sides on this issue. I do. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm not an evangelical on either side of the copyright issue. I think that copyright owners have a right to enforce their rights. I think if people are stealing their intellectual property, that that those companies have a right to recover. Uh, I represent a lot of adult entertainment companies, uh, most notably Corbin Fisher, that goes after people for torrenting their films. And I have you know, sat down, I think, before I file any case, I do think about what it means, um, what happens if I lose, what happens if I win, you know, what are the negative consequences of winning, am I doing right. the wrong thing? And I, I see no problem with that because it's, it's someone taking someone else's work and then redistributing it for free and not adding anything to it. If someone were taking Corbin Fisher's movies and making parodies of them, uh, I, I don't think that that would be an infringement case I would take. That's fair use. And I think that's where Right Haven really chafes people. It's because you take the unpopularity of copyright infringement cases in general, even when you can sit here for hours and justify them. E- even when they're justifiable, they're unpopular. Take that and add on to the fact that they're going after people for fair use. They're going after people who legitimately don't think they're doing anything wrong. I mean, one, of their, one of their defendants was some elderly woman who wrote a blog from the perspective of her cat, who put an article <laughs> on the blog that was about cats in a fire, I think. I, I don't remember the exact facts. But, you know, this was an old woman whose kids bought her a web TV uh, setup, and she didn't recognize that what she was doing was potentially infringing. And you got to think about the victim in cases like this. When someone's using a BitTorrent or, or somebody's stealing music from the RIAA, I mean, I know the RIAA is, is un- almost universally hated, but you know at this point that going on to Kazaa and downloading a bunch of songs and then putting them in your sharing folder, you know you could get in trouble for that, and you know you shouldn't right. be doing that, and you're taking the risk. These are people who weren't taking a known risk. <laughs> Now, when you um, talked, to, you mentioned you know, you RAA, the fact that it was no is, uh, warning lawsuits, which they may not have to do that, but it has it just has all the hallmarks of evil, and uh, you know it's it's very easy when you've got a case where there's a clear villain, uh, it's always easy for that story to have legs, and when you have a case where you're not just going after people, but you're going after bloggers, this is the new media, right? So. You know, and they say when you're going to attack a guy who buys ink by the barrel, you better be ready for a hell of a fight. <laughs> well, no. What they didn't figure in was when, when you go after the New York Times, you're only going after one guy who buys ink by the barrel. If you're going after a blogger, even a small one, every other blogger who knows that blogger feels attacked. So you're going after an army of people who buy ink Maybe not by the barrel, but they buy it by the gallon, and all those gallons of ink just washed over Right Haven. You know, they're it's completely 
covered up their anything that they could have said to, to legitimize themselves from a public relations standpoint. I mean, this company could have done what it's doing, could have done it right, and could have done it, I think, a, a lot more cleanly. And had they done that, they would have made a little less money, but they probably could have done it in some kind of a sustainable way. What they did is they drove, they jumped out of the box, and I think that they, I think they were just consumed with greed. But there's a huge irony here in that they rep their client is a media company. So basically, what you're saying is Ray Haven was not media savvy and had no idea what what type of backlash they would end up getting when they they represent a media company. Yeah, that's. uh, I think that would be an accurate statement. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe they now, thought about. Um, maybe they knew, and they just didn't care. You know the. I think I think that was part know, of it. I think they were trying to send the message to blogosphere, and they really did didn't this. care. He he published an article years before he did this, where he said that the potential recovery out there was in the quadrillions of dollars. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not good at math, but I think that that's more than the entire global economy. So I'm I'm not sure how there could be quadrillions of dollars with the damages. You know, un- unless like you brought the Death Star over and blew up the planet and had a civil suit on some other planet. Um, <laughs> but, now, it's you, you, know, you mentioned Death Star because you're saying how this was a great story and that this is why I had legs because it had a great villain. And yeah, um, just as the villain's about to to be killed in this case, it, um, in comes a potentially another villain who you mentioned is universally hated is the RIA. And what is their role? Are, they were talking about intervening at one point. Is that going to happen? Well, they have. Uh, no, they haven't intervened. They filed an amicus brief at the Ninth Circuit, uh, which they tried to represent as a neutral brief. Um, liar, liar, pants on fire, RIAA. Uh, it's not neutral. It's, it's a complete repeat of what Righthaven has argued. And Righthaven's made a really... You know, you've got to give them credit for this ar- argument. The court in Nevada ruled that right, right Haven had no standing to bring the case, that they had no right to sue Mr. Hain because they didn't have the rights under the Copyright Act that you need in order to bring a lawsuit. And even if they did, that they have no, uh, that, that they would have been defeated for fair use. Now, Right Haven argues that. Well, once you figured out that we had no right to bring this lawsuit in the first place, you lost the right to make any further decisions on the case, including whether or not this was protected speech, whether or not this was fair use, and whether or not attorney's fees should be imposed on Right Haven. So essentially their argument is that if we had brought a case that had a little more support, if it was a better case, we could have gotten tacked with fees. But since our case was so crappy, no fees against us. And, you know, what the RIAA's interest in this is uh, is beyond my ability to comprehend. Um, It it seems just that they're not happy when a fair use decision is is out there. I mean, that's the only way I can perceive it. Otherwise, I'm not sure why, you know, when they called me and asked if they could file an amicus brief in the case and they explained what it was about, I, I said, you know, might be cool if you want to admit that you're supporting Right Haven, but not if you're going to say that it's a, a neutral brief. Now, um, 
and and where where does that stand now with, with their intervention? Well, they filed uh, Bright Haven filed its brief before the Ninth Circuit. The RIAA filed its brief in support of Bright Haven. Uh, we filed a, an opposition to them coming in as Amici. Uh, it's not something you usually do, but in this case, where courts courts have ruled that when an amicus comes in just to repeat what a party has already said, that it's improper for them to get in the way. Uh, it just increases the burden on the court, and it doesn't really add anything. Uh, Judge Posner in the Seventh Circuit has called that abusive. Uh, we we agree with Judge Posner, and we've made that argument. Uh, the court hasn't yet ruled on whether they can come in as Amici. Uh, I think we're the underdog in that argument, but I think we've we've made the right argument. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, Mark Rendazzo will talk more about his interesting First Amendment practice um, and Um, We'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. From the creators of We Build Pages, experience the power of the Internet Marketing Ninja. An exclusively trained army of nearly 100 in-house ninjas. Mastered in the arts of social media, local marketing, content creation, SEO reporting, and yes, link building. The Internet Marketing Ninjas will release a new version of their legendary tools to the public. Visit imninjas.com. The ninjas are coming. In 500 yards, C-P-A Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of Internet marketing, C-P-A Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, C-P-A Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at cpaway.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Hi, this is Shauna from Ecom Experts and Happy Holidays. Remember to work on fresh content even though this may be your busiest time of the year. Content, content, content. Happy holidays. From all of us to all of you, webmasterradio.fm. Wishing you happy holidays and a prosperous new year. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're 
back with Mark Randaza. And Mark, I gotta congratulate you. Your blog, Legal Satiricon, has been named um, to the ABA Blog 100, and that's B L A W G 100, um, for the third year in a row. Congratulations. Um, and I guess there's voting now to, to see who's the top blog in each category? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we actually have won that title uh, two years in a row in our category. And so this year, uh, you know, I'm not the only one who writes that blog. And I got together with my writers, and I thought that uh, Pope Hat, which is also in my category, uh, I thought that they deserve a title. Uh, they've, they've been snubbed the last couple of years. For some reason, they weren't nominated. So we're, and we never really took an ABA award that seriously anyway. We, we really kind of despise the ABA. So in the past couple of years when we've won the award, we've, we've given it away to other parties. So the first year, I think we, we, uh, printed it out and mailed it to the Harry Krishnas. And the, uh, the second year that we won, we bestowed it on goatseegirl.com, which nobody should ever go to because there's certain things you can't unsee. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> that's a vivid image but, um, but but that doesn't mean that we don't like Pope Hat we actually legitimately love Pope Hat now we, um, we, we, we have a mutual friend who has a, a website uh, excuse me a blog what about Paris which has oh, been yeah, a, per, a, a, a perennial contender in that category but it seems to have been omitted this year uh, it, it seems what uh, you cut out there it seems to have been omitted from the uh, the blog 100 list this year. I think it's been in, in, in all prior um, iterations of the list. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, you, you cut out again. Oh, no, I was just saying that well, What About Paris seems to have been dropped um, from uh, yeah. the blog 100. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Well, you know, Dan, Dan has no more reverence for the ABA than I, so uh, I, I'm sure that that was some, uh, that was some portion of the decision. No, Dan's, um, Dan's blog is is great, especially for a young lawyer. I mean, back Dan was one of the first bloggers, uh, and uh, first law bloggers. And long before I met Dan, uh, I would read his blog for for guidance about how to run your practice, how to you know how to how to adhere to ethics but still be uh, aggressive and zealous. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if the legal academy looked for more people like him to instruct young lawyers than looking for people who had, you know, essentially done nothing except opine in law review articles about vegetarian rights and the, uh, the you know, some kind of obscure ERISA regulation, uh, I think they might be actually cranking out people who know what they're doing on day one. Now, you, um, you've had your share of... Uh other cases that have gained you um, significant attention aside from Right Haven, uh, most notably uh, was your Glenn Beck case, um, where you um, dealt with the um, the uh, a website a domain entitled Glenn Beck raped and murdered a young girl in 1990. Um, try try texting that while driving, um, <laughs> and, and and you won. Because it was a parody site. Uh, what, what was it like handling that case? That was one of the more fun cases I've ever been able to work on. <clears throat> that case, I got a call from the defendant in that case at like 3 o'clock in the morning one day. And, and you know, I, I will sleep about two hours a day whether I need to or not. So 
the phone rings through to my home. I answer it, and this guy says, I'm in trouble. Glenn Beck is after me. I said, well, I'm, I'm here to help. So he he registered a domain name, that domain name, uh, exactly as you had described it, which you might think is defamatory. Uh, if you accuse somebody of a crime and you falsely do so, that's defamation per se. So, but, but this was a joke. It was an Internet meme. Um, you know, back in, and it started way back when Gilbert Gottfried was, uh, there was a, a roast of Bob Saget. And I don't know if Gilbert Gottfried just didn't have time to write a routine, but he just stood up there and he said, Bob Saget, uh, who rumors say raped and murdered a girl in 1990, but we have no evidence of that. So unless you have proof that he raped and murdered a girl in 1990, uh, stop saying it or, or go to the, if you actually have evidence, go to the police. And it was kind of funny. I mean, if you deconstruct a joke, it's the easiest way to destroy it. But this... <laughs> So I'm not going to try to be Gilbert Gottfried. Although I did think if the case had oral arguments, perhaps I should go up there and argue the case like this. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) Mr. Uh, People on ever seen him live. He seems to be so eager to go raunchy as quickly as possible just to kind of distance himself from his... uh, um, his family hour years on, on, on TV. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bob Saget's just, I, I had no idea how amazingly raunchy he was. And, and I mean, that as the, the, the greatest compliment, but in, but what happened in this case is that a number of people on various message boards figured out that this joke of saying, you know, I have no evidence that somebody didn't do a thing means that they did it. Well, this looked exactly like how Glenn Beck does his so-called journalism. You know, he brings somebody on the air and says, well, can you prove that you're not working with our enemies? Can you prove you're not a terrorist sympathizer? And so people got on the boards and said, can Glenn Beck prove that he didn't rape and murder a girl in 1990? Uh, you know, we're just asking questions. So this guy registers <laughs> the domain name, puts it up, and Glenn Beck's lawyers insist upon taking the domain name, and they file... They file a complaint with the World Intellectual Property Organization, which I thought was really funny, and, and I put in my briefing uh, that uh, Glenn Beck complains that when you can't win in the court of public opinion, you go to the courts, and when you can't win there, you go to the international bodies. And he immediately jumped to a French-speaking international uh, place. He immediately jumped to a, a international body in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, well, I, I have no problem with that. I'm sure Mr. Beck didn't realize the irony that he was feeding us. And in that briefing, we had to explain what an internet meme was. So, you know, it was the first time, I guess, somebody had gotten to cite to Mr. Spock ate my balls in a legal brief. Yeah, I saw that reference. What is that? (laughs) Uh, You know, it was one of the very first internet memes where uh, people were just putting up random websites about Spock eating their balls. I mean, like like any other internet meme, it, it has an element of, of, Huh, to it. Uh, not getting it is part of getting it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Mr. Spock ever ate, ever actually ate anybody's balls, but um, <laughs> it, it, it is it is sort of the origin of the Internet meme phenomenon. I've seen him in movie theaters nearby. Um, so next time I'll have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, uh, and sh- so basically, you know, so Beck took you to the, um, to WIPO um, yep. 
on a, a UDRP case, and you won because it, it determined it was a parody, right? Right. Well, first off, you know, if you go to WIPO, you're only supposed to go there if it's a trademark problem. And while they claimed that Glenn Beck is a trademark, uh, that you can still use another company's trademark in order to make fun of them. You can still use a person's trademark in order to make fun of them. So there was somebody who had registered Wallacost uh, with the Walmart logo on it, and Walmart had an issue with that. It's to make fun of them. One of the greatest things about, uh, about American free speech law and where it dovetails with, with American intellectual property law is you know, what I love about that confluence and why I sit in that confluence is because it gives you the right to make fun of the rich and powerful. It gives you the right to point at anybody you want and go, ha ha. You know, it, it's, this, is, this is what we are as a people. Now, if this were brought under uh, European intellectual property law or European defamation law, we wouldn't have won. This is what separates us from them, and this is what makes it so much better to live in America. You have the right to rip on people. People have the right to rip on me. They do it all the time. That's the price I have to pay for living in a free society. But I'm not prepared to give that up. And one of the best things about that case was that when we did prevail, minutes after we got the judgment, my client said, okay, now that we've won, let's give him the domain name anyway. Uh, because what my client really wanted to do was protect freedom of speech, protect the right to irreverently make fun of celebrities, especially those you think might be having a negative influence on the culture. Uh, it wasn't about keeping the domain name. And uh, they never they never so much as said thank you. But Really? There was I no guess, response? Uh, no, but, you know, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, he was, he was a little butthurt, I think. <laughs> because Spock is balls. But um, now, w- w- did you give any uh, backlash on that in terms of, you know, hate mail or anything of that nature? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a day without hate mail is like a day without sunshine when you're a First Amendment lawyer. Um, so, yes, uh, I, I got a few people who were saying, you know, how would you like it if people said that about you? And then I just gave them a, I would respond with a list of links of terrible things people had said about me and say that's, that's the cost of living in a free society. Uh, but, you know, most of the reaction was positive because I think only four people actually liked Glenn Beck. <laughs> Outside of his family or within? Um, no, I was counting his family. Now, we were talking earlier offline, um, being so involved in the First Amendment, um, there's often sometimes a clash with, I mean, in First Amendment advocates and then those um, who uh, represent, um, such as I do, uh, victims of cyber harassment. And um, and one thing we talked about was the fact that there are, pe- there are people out there who are serial cyber harassers, um, either just because of uh, for emotional reasons or you know some peculiarity in their personality, or for economic reasons. And mm-hmm. do you have any problem with having them um, having heightened um, sanctions for that type of behavior online? I do. I think we got to be careful. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not an absolutist in that. I don't think there should be any control over how people treat other people online. Uh, you know, I think that there are there are legitimate lines that can be drawn, but I think when we draw them. 
we've got to be really careful. I mean, especially when we add terms like cyber to the beginning of it. it you know, when, when you add cyber to the word harassment and all of a sudden you've just won all the Fox News crowd and everybody who's writing blogs about cats with web TV because they say, ooh, harassment I understand, cyber I don't, I'm doubly scared now. If it's harassment, harassment isn't free speech. And if it's harassment, there ought to be a way to put an end to it. Now, we've got to consider who the subject of the, of the so-called harassment is. Of if course. it's the president of the United States, you've got a right to harass him. If it's your senator, you have a right to day after day after day say things about him like, you know, he's a secret Muslim born in Kenya working with our enemies. You've got a right to do that just like Glenn Beck's got a right to do that. That's what freedom is. Mm-hmm. Now, when you target some private individual, uh, we, you know, like uh, there's, a, there's a case about a, a girl in Southern California who went out and she drove her dad's Porsche really fast, crashed into a guardrail uh, at a, a toll booth. Horrifying pictures of her half-decapitated body made it onto the Internet. And people reposted them, sent them to her parents, uh, sent them to her parents with mocking emails. It's the story is gut wrenching, and I think it was a horrible thing that was done. And you know, my 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 hatred of the people who did that is is deep seated and visceral. But we've got to be very careful that when we go after that person, we don't accidentally knock over Lady Liberty. If we Understood. start letting these extreme circumstances create new law and create new rules and start boxing in behavior, you're going to find that you've boxed in behavior that we need in order to be a free society. Uh, well, Mark, know, I want to thank ways, you. It's been great having you on the show. We're running out of time. So, um, but I just want to thank the, the Gloucester giant killer for being with us. Um, Mark, it's been a pleasure. I hope you consider joining us again. If people want to contact you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, my website is at randaza.com, R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-A. Uh, All right, we'll or, be back uh, my next week. Number, uh, 888-667-1113. Uh, we accept uh, hate mail, death threats, and, uh, and harassment. There you have it. All right, we'll be back next week with a year in review. This is Bennett Kelly. Have a good week and a happy holidays. Hope Santa's nice to all. Um, Court is adjourned. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.